eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just an absolutely beautiful, unseasonably warm Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. It's going to be, what's about 80 degrees today? Can't complain about that on October 26th. Uh, maybe the polar ice caps are, but I'm not complaining about that today. It's a short-term gain. It's been beautiful outside today. How are you? I hope you're well. I hope everything in your life is going exactly the way that you want it to go. Hope you've had time to uh, get over what was obviously a tough weekend for Tennessee football. We discussed a lot of that on Monday. We'll probably discuss more of it on this episode uh, a little bit later on. But nonetheless, time moves on. Tennessee, uh, the Alabama game is is gone. Now it is about Kentucky this weekend. It's the beer barrel battle up there in Lexington. And I'm going to talk about that with Patrick Brown here in just one second. But Pat, before we do that, Obviously, all of that, uh, Tennessee, this is almost a breaking news edition of the podcast because we just had news come out for Tennessee before we hit record on this, and it's not great news. Yeah, Wes, uh, literally right about 10 minutes before, uh, well, actually, I, I don't know when Kamal Haddon posted on Instagram that, that he is undergoing uh, season-ending shoulder surgery, easy for me to say, um, but uh, that that hit not long before we were going to hop on on this podcast and record it. So it uh, got a little bit of a later start, but um, hadn't obviously, as everybody saw, looked to be shaken up a little bit in the Alabama game after a hit early in the uh, – or not early, it was in the first half. He came back in the game at a couple different points, but I don't think he finished it. Um, and there was some concern this week about what his injury might be. It was kind of looking like he might be iffy at best for, for Kentucky, but – I think clearly this is a situation where um, he, he's opted to go ahead and uh, and get the surgery done. It was this morning, I was told by a Tennessee official. So um, that that's a tough break for him. He's obviously playing great football. I uh, was having a career season. Uh, I believe he was the highest graded 
pro football focused coverage grade in the SEC or among SEC defensive backs and uh, had three interceptions and, and was among the leaders and passes defense when you consider pass breakups and interceptions. He's playing at a really high level and, and it really helping himself and, and his future too. I think he was uh, starting to move up some draft boards and 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 have a good season that, that he was having. The bag year is how he put it on uh, in his Instagram post, but um, he, he's not going to play the rest of the season after going, undergoing so- shoulder surgery, and, and that's a big blow for a Tennessee defense that's already played most of the season without Keenan Peely. Uh, they lost Brew McCoy on the offensive side, so uh, didn't have Cooper Mays the first four games of the season, so there's been some key players, some of them that we knew would be key going into the season and some of them that have emerged as key players that, that Tennessee's not going to have to play the last five and, and you know six games if you include the bowl without. So uh, a tough blow for Tennessee, but uh, would expect Nico Slaughter to go back into the starting lineup, and, and obviously he had a great game against Kentucky last season, and uh, he'll, he'll need to get back on track after he had his own injury situation early in the season that kept him on the sideline for a few games. Yeah, Pat. Now that I guess we can sort of put cards on the table now that, that this has come out here. I know coaches are always so, you know, they're 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 so secretive or, or just quiet about injuries. Understandably so. In a lot of cases, this isn't the NFL where you have to. Uh, report things on a weekly basis at least to a vague degree there there's no rule on that in college football so most coaches competitive advantage disadvantage they're not going to say anything I am a little bit surprised at this because what I had heard earlier in the week was this was at least one of those deals where there was going to be surgery at some point Um, so I don't know if that means you know AC uh, rotate or whatever it is I, I don't know but I had heard that that they were going to wait and see and that maybe there was some thought that he could maybe play because you see that all the time, right? You see guys go out there with um, – they have a bad shoulder hit and then the rest of the season they're wearing those big shoulder straps when they play, but they finish the season and then they go have surgery afterward. I thought that might be one of these. I'm a little bit surprised that they're having to do surgery now, but I imagine knowing Haddon and knowing the way that he's played this season, he would not want to stop playing – uh, right now, he would want to keep playing and keep putting all that good film on tape because he's a guy who, early in his career, there was some really, really good tape and then some really, really bad tape, uh, some really bad moments. Even this season, there was one just horrendously bad moment that obviously cost Tennessee in a big game. But he 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 had been starting to put together such good tape on a consistent basis now. I would imagine he'd want to keep playing. So I bet this is one of those deals where he didn't have much choice in the matter. Maybe it was more significant than they thought but my thoughts on this are 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 different or not different but but sort of complex because this is actually one of the deepest areas on Tennessee's roster in terms of pure numbers and in terms of athleticism you got guys who can play the cornerback position even guys who haven't played a lot this season young guys they've got guys who can step in and play and be athletically just they're good but Haddon has been playing better than anyone else. So it's not like it's good news. It is bad news for Tennessee. However, this week, Danico Slaughter, probably their best tackler at corner, maybe in the entire secondary at times. So that's good to have him out there in this particular game for the most part. Um, but also, Kentucky's receivers, Key and, and Brown, they can run. Those 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 Nashville area natives can run. Those two are good players. Tennessee was would have taken both of them happily. So... It's not like it's good news for Tennessee. I don't think it's just terrible news because of the bodies they have there and the athleticism they have there. But Haddon's been their best. Yeah, and Haddon, I think is. Uh, I, th- I think if you put everything together over the past really two seasons, and maybe even throw in the back half of twenty twenty one, 
he 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 has been their best cornerback. I know I know he had a lot of trash talk against South Carolina. I know he had to play against Florida, but uh and, and I know he was uh, led the team in, in in penalties last season with like nine, even though he missed three games, I think. Yeah, no, he missed four games at one point uh during the middle of the season with an injury. So um he was heavily flagged when he was playing, but uh, he's a guy that's you, you look at the the PBU numbers, the interception numbers, his are all higher than everybody else's on the roster. Yeah. Um, and, and that that generally means that uh, a you're in more position to make plays and, and sometimes B that means you're in position to get more pass interference penalties. So yeah. um, and, and that generally means you're a pretty good athlete and, and have a lot of confidence in yourself. And uh, I think he had uh, st- you know we heard, Good things about him. I, I, I'll be honest. There were times in January you, where you wondered if how long he was going to last in yeah. the program. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, there, there was some portal chatter there. Uh, in, in all honesty, I think we've touched on that before. I can't remember what I've said and haven't said on these podcasts. But, um, but he, you know, he, he came back and, and whether it was uh, as he put in his Instagram post, kind of the realization that okay, if I want to keep playing this game, I got to get it together. Or if it was. You know, they just brought in a transfer from from BYU that's played a lot, or and three freshmen that are really talented. Uh, I got to get my stuff together, and um, you know, hadn't graduated this year, so you know, he he was getting things together both on the field and off the field, really throughout the off season. It didn't look like it early with the play against Florida, that obviously stacked that onto the South Carolina thing. It turned yeah, I, a lot I, of people I, off to I, him. I said he couldn't start again after that play. I I, 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 mean, I came out and said I just can't. You can't play this guy anymore. I said you that. Alone. I did. Yeah, you weren't alone. I think I said that too. There are probably some other people that, that cover the team that probably felt the same way or, or said the same thing. But um, you know, Haddon is just you know, he, he, it sparked him into playing really good football. You know, he had the interception for you know return for a touchdown against South Carolina, makes the play against Texas A and M to seal that game. Um and he was the guy that you could count on on that corner at that cornerback position. So um yeah, they've got bodies there, but you're losing your best guy. Um, and they need Danico Slaughter to to kind of get his confidence back. It was interesting to hear him talk earlier this week kind of about how he lost some of his focus from being hurt early in the season. I don't know if it was a, a foot injury or a toe injury, but it was something that was probably annoying in the sense that he probably felt like he could play but really couldn't play. Um, then he missed a couple games. He gets back in the lineup for a handful of snaps and then – uh, against Alabama, when Haddon goes down, he, he's back in there for a lot. So, um, you know, Gabe Judy Lally is is that's proven to be a big pickup. It's going to be have to be an even bigger pickup now. I think he's playing pretty good football. He he'll give up a play here and there, but um, you you generally know what you're going to get from him. Um, and I wonder, you know, they they've been rotating, but you know the the rotation behind those guys. You know, if you were going to play those three, you felt pretty good about it, but. How much are you going to play Brandon Turnage? How much are you going to play Warren Burrell, who kind of vanished for a yeah, couple the, games? They're there? still they're still alive. They're still right there. <laughs> they're still you they're know, still the, on the team. Obviously, there's a chance out there for for some of those freshmen. I, I would probably say probably just one freshman. Ricky Gibson is the only one that we've seen get some meaningful playing time. Um, I think Jordan Matthews and Christian Conyer. Uh, I have to look up how many games they've played in, but they've mostly been on special teams. So. Um, it, it, it's going to put more of an onus on, on a couple of those guys, I think, and, and they're going to need somebody to step up. You know, Danico Slaughter is a guy that, that showed late last season. That he could be a, a playmaking type like Haddon has been. So, um, you know, they, they need to get Slaughter to sort of rediscover that form. And for, for Judy Lally or, or Judy Ali, if you're Brad Nessler, yeah, um, Judy Ali to, uh, to, uh, 
to to step up their games because you know Haddon was playing at a really high level. You know the, the numbers speak for themselves, and and really what you saw over the past few games. Um, you know, I think the narrative with him would be a lot different had he just wrapped up Tre- uh, Trevor Etienne. Um, yeah. So, uh, but you know, it's a tough situation for him. And again, you know, Tennessee is, you know, you lose Brew McCoy, you lose Kamal Haddon. Those were two guys that were among your, your best players are either playing it as your best players or your best players. And, and you can throw Peely in there as well as, um, you know, those are, those are big injuries. And, you know, Tennessee, I think was pretty fortunate last season on the injury front, right? I'm not missing any obvious ones. Um, except for uh, you know Hendon Hooker, obviously that was well, well, here. yeah, that one, but that was with five quarters left in the regular season. That True. wasn't in, you know, the opener like Peely. Or no, no, they they had the end got, of September yeah, like Brew. They had or little things middle but, of the season like this one, but yeah, they had little things and guys. Well, and Tillman, Cedric Tillman was probably the biggest one. Yeah, I mean they but they, they played through that one. Get that one gets marginalized because they still had the number one offense in the country even without him. Yeah, they, they did. And and they had a lot of little things throughout the season, too. I mean, offensive linemen, the stuff that they play through on a weekly basis would just blow yeah, your cor- mind. Cornerback was, a, cornerback was a position where it was some weeks they were just having to play who they had available. Yeah. That's the reason Slaughter moved there in the first place. Yeah, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't get some combinations back there that they wanted because they kept having guys to play well and then they'd get hurt. And it'd be one of those deals where they can't play for a couple of games. And in fairness, cornerback is one of those positions where – you will have injuries that other guys could play through, but you probably can't play through without hurting your team. Because if you think about what they do, just watch them on a, on a play-to-play basis, that backpedaling, how much they're having to kind of, you know, just really put pressure on those joints and, and kind of make those cuts like that. If you can't do that at your regular pace, you're maybe giving up a 70-yard touchdown. I mean, you can't – you have to be pretty fit physically. You have to be – pretty healthy physically to play corner. Now, if it's like a shoulder sometimes or like an arm or a hand, you'll play through that stuff. But if it's like an ankle or a foot or, or something or a toe at corner, you might look at it and go, why is this guy out with this injury? No, it's because you can't you can't physically do what you need to do at that position sometimes when you're hurt. There are other plays where – there are lots of times where guys would happily play through something. They would grit their teeth. They'd get a little bit of that vitamin T, that tore it all shot. They'd play through it. You know, but but there are some positions like corner where you kind of can't do that in some cases. So I, I understand that. But, you know, it is an opportunity, Pat. As you said, this was some place where Tennessee last season really needed somebody to step up late in the season, and it was Danico Slaughter. And here, late in the season, back comes Danico Slaughter. And, and then behind him, I mean, what what if – you know, you Tennessee fans are going to want to see those freshmen, obviously. That's what people are going to want to see. I don't blame them for that. Um, but I would say this, too. Warren Burrell and Brandon Turner are both guys, I think, maybe who could come back next season. Danico Slaughter's a guy who could come back next season. So it's not like you're just going to play a freshman for the sake of playing a freshman because they're the future. You're trying to win games right now. And if they think that guys like, you know, Turner and or or Hat or you know um, Hadden not Hadden say that again. If they think guys like Burrell and Turnage can can do that, then I think that's they'd go to those guys because at this point you're still trying to win games. It's not like this is a bowl game and you're doing some stuff for the future. They're trying to win games now, so maybe one of those guys comes back off the milk carton back onto the field and and helps Tennessee because we still don't know if Slaughter's 110. percent So. We'll see, Pat. I think it's really interesting. I think there's a lot of options there. I think a lot of fans are going to want the young kids, but you know they might not get them just yet. 
Yeah, we know in the secondary that they're going to play their guys and they're going to play their veterans. Yes, um, yes. And, and we've seen that at safety with um, uh, Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough and Tamar McCann. All those guys barely ever come off the field. Um, you know, and, and Tim Banks is a little bit different than, than Willie Martinez. Martinez is, you know, he, talk, he talked to the media, I think, last week, right? And said that they want to play four and, and five, even if they have them. They haven't really done that, though. I think that's what's interesting uh, that you, you kind of touched on is they've really kind of trimmed the uh the rotation at cornerback really over the last couple weeks i'm going to try to pull this up on the fly here just to say uh hadn't and judy guy i think against texas a&m played most of the game um like they they didn't come off the field very much uh and and then i think that sort of continued or it didn't really well it it couldn't continue because had got hurt but that was a position where they were playing more guys less if that makes sense obviously on the defensive line they've continued to rotate um, and in safety, they don't they don't rotate at all, and, and even the linebacker rotation has sort of kind of been trimmed. But, um, but uh, let's see, yeah, against Texas A and M, hadn't played all but seven snaps, and, and Judy Lally played all but ten. Um, and it was I think Judy Lally played all but four, even with Haddon's injury against against Alabama. So, again, that was a position where you really weren't playing those other guys, whether they were veterans or freshmen. And and I would think that, you know, we did see Brandon Turnage get, get into the game in the fourth quarter actually had, I think he had a bad angle or missed tackle or something out there on the edge on a, on a run, or maybe it was a Milrose scramble, but um, you know, he's, he's a guy that's got to lock back in, you know, it, it's hard for some of those older guys. Cause you know, they, they, they know their clock is ticking and if they're not playing it, it's easy for them to, I don't want to say check out. I don't want to accuse any of those guys of checking out, but it's just human nature, right? I mean, you're probably frustrated that you're not playing more. Um, but, you know, as Josh Heupel likes to say, you never know when, as a player, when your chance is going to come. And these guys are, are now one snap away, and they could get, you know, rotational work too. So uh, they're going to need turnage to, to step in. He, he's played good football when he's had chances, and, and he could get a chance here. And uh, I think the same thing goes for Warren Burrell. I, I would think those two guys are probably ahead of, of Gibson in the pecking order, but – Clearly, I think uh, after those veterans, it, it's Gibson. So, but yeah, Slaughter is is a guy that, like I said, they got to get his confidence back, um, and he he needs to sort of um, get back to the way he was playing last season and probably how he felt going into the season, where he had the starting position pretty much locked down. So, um, it, it's it's a tough injury because you're losing the best your your best guy, but you do have some options there. And um, and Tennessee, like like we talked about, you know, I, I failed to mention that they had a bunch of quarterback injuries. That's why they brought in. Judy Lally and, and so many cornerbacks so yeah. that they wouldn't have a situation where they were getting week to week and, and just trying to piece it together at a position because of injury. So uh, this is the first injury there and, and, you know, they need the, the, they need a lot of older guys to step up, but those younger guys have got to be right there too. Cause another injury or two and, and you're, you're in the two deep right away. Yeah. And you know, who, uh, who never, who never, put it in the tank last season the guy who stayed ready was the nico slaughter and his number was called and, and he was right. and he was ready to go so that's a good example of of what can happen before we go to break some better injury news for tennessee gerald mincy at least according to hypo we laugh at these thursday um you know sort of injury updates from from josh hypo he did say gerald mincy has been with them all week and and should be should be available for for this game but they haven't made a final determination on that I'm just guessing that it's going to be exactly like it's been for the past few weeks, which is that he will start the game. 
and he will go as long as he can go until that knee or ankle, whatever it is, flares up again. Uh, it's kind of like Jabari's small shoulder the, the past couple of years <laughs> at times. He goes into the game, and, and, and then and something happens, and then he's out for the game. That's how it is. So, But that's better news for Tennessee because I think we all know that um, it, as up and down and erratic as Mincy can be, he is Tennessee's best right tackle. Uh, he, he just is, and so things don't typically go as well when he's out of the lineup. And this is a game where certainly you're going to have to win at the line of scrimmage. So uh, we'll 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 see how he is, but I would imagine that he'd be okay. And honestly, the the weather report, knock on wood, doesn't look terrible for for Saturday night. So maybe that'll help. It's not going to be 10 degrees like it usually is for this game up in Lexington. So bully for that. Uh, maybe it's nice to play this one in October and not November. But uh, that's where Tennessee's injury rise. We'll, we'll see what things look like Saturday night, but we probably should go to break now because we should talk about some of the things we were planning on discussing before all of this came up. Uh, there is actually a game, obviously, on Saturday. There's some matchup things, some interesting things, uh, some 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 sign-stealing things. There's all kinds of fun things out there to talk about. So uh, let's take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then come back and discuss those things here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here on this just absolutely beautiful, beautiful Chamber of Commerce Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles, 1.9 miles away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee will not be this week. The Vols will be 
up in Lexington, up on what's normally the frozen blue tundra of Kroger Field. And they'll be wearing all white uniforms except for orange socks and black shoes, which just looks terrible. But nonetheless, I, I digress. I'm not going to go an entire podcast without saying that. That uh, wearing black uniform, black cleats with those uniforms is trash. I will die on that hill. I will fight it. That is just who I am, and I cannot change that. But we got a lot more to discuss, and we will get back to that after just a quick request from our end to please go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. However, helps us out even more if you go in there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world. You can cast a fine pod. You can find this podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. No complaints whatsoever from our end. Since we're doing it for free, though, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, tell people that are, that are acquaintances, tell friends of friends, tell strangers out on the street. If you're stopped at a red light and you see somebody wearing orange next to you, has a Power T uh, license plate, roll that window down and say, hey, I'm not trying to be creepy here. I just saw your Power T, and uh, you, you should listen to this podcast since you're in your car right now. We haven't heard that one. I've heard lots of stories, funny ones, of people telling us how they've told other people about this podcast. I have not heard that one yet, and I would like that to happen. So please, please go out there and somebody try that, please. Uh, if you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Back to it, Pat. There's a lot going on this week. Obviously, uh, Josh Heupel has been asked about the sign-stealing stuff because I think everyone has been asked about the sign-stealing stuff this week and about uh, certain things. However, with Tennessee, it maybe feels a tad more personal because the Vols were one of those non-Big Ten teams who were allegedly, reportedly caught up in all of that last season. Michigan, uh, I guess you should take it as a compliment, Tennessee, that Michigan thought you were going to be in the college football playoff last season. So uh, Connor Stallions, just one of the best names of all time, uh, did reportedly buy tickets for a Tennessee game uh, late in the season, thinking that the Vols were going to be in the playoff. Uh, and to try to get that information, I think it was the Kentucky game perhaps, and then the Vanderbilt game later, if it was the Kentucky game, that does bring a really interesting point into it because there are connections between the South Carolina and Michigan coaching staffs. Tennessee then goes to South Carolina. Again, there's a lot that, that's that's not known about this, but uh, if some of the stuff out there, the visually that, that we've seen, if some of that is accurate, that is troubling, we'll, we'll see if anything comes of it. I very much doubt that it will. And honestly, I think uh, no matter what happened there in Columbia that night, Tennessee did not play well, so regardless. But uh, Josh Heupel was asked about that, and he talked about how Tennessee tries to protect its own signals, which it does with those big old hilarious um, you know, pop-up things behind the three play callers, the, the Mo, Larry, and Curly, who I call them, sit there in the three different colors, who call the plays before snaps, and they, uh, they, they hold those things up. And those things, those guys got to be ripped doing that every single play like that. Um, but Tennessee tries Insane to Insane shoulders and traps, they right? Got, they got to be. They got to have those learned little traps walking around like Four that. Forearms, you know? too, yeah, probably. Just, just probably. The grip. They're probably yoked, those kids who are doing that. Good for them. Um, but uh, I think it's it's uh it's interesting they'll probably go to in the bowl season they'll go to those uh communication sets like they have in the NFL they'll have the opportunity to do that there has to be consent from both teams but if both teams in non playoff 
bowl games, which it looks like Tennessee would be in a non-playoff bowl game at this point. If both teams agree, then they will test those things out. Heupel said that's probably where it's going. In true Heupel fashion, Pat, he didn't really answer. I asked him point blank, would you be in favor of that? And he said it's probably going to happen. So that's one of those things where Heupel's like, I appreciate the answer, but you didn't answer the question uh, to whether you like these things or not. Uh, because how will that affect Tennessee's tempo? Because there's a lot of things at play there, how it would help one way or the other. But regardless, uh, Tennessee is caught up in this thing, and that does make it much more interesting for Tennessee fans, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it was the, the first place I saw it was from Ross Dellinger on Tuesday night. Uh, I think ESPN might have reported first that there are non-Big Ten. I think ESPN came out on Monday and said that there were, what, 30 games and 11 Big Ten programs, schools were involved. And in, now they've got 12. In, now in this 12. scheme. And, yeah, okay. So there's, I mean, pretty much everybody. Who was the only one? Probably Rutgers, maybe. I don't know. Rutgers, Northwestern, well, it might not I don't have, know. It, it might have been whoever Michigan hasn't played over the last three years, maybe. I don't know what the scheduling quirks are in the Big Ten. Um, it's definitely uh, – um, but yeah, basically this guy would just buy tickets to these games in, in in an area of the stadium where you had a good view of the opposing sideline, and apparently he would just like, you know, transfer these tickets to somebody else, or he'd go on his own. I guess I don't I don't know all the details, but he would go and and somebody would just record the signals, um, which just stand is there looking, now, yeah, stand there looking with a cell phone up like they're at a concert or something for three hours. Right. I mean, this is uh, it's not illegal to steal signals during games. It is illegal, I believe, um, from what I have read from people who are better at reporting the stuff than me, um, that it is illegal to a like do advanced scouting in person. Yes. Um, and, and it's illegal to record signs and, and basically things like that. So um, and apparently this guy was not very like uh, secretive about this because he was just buying tickets off of where you and I would get tickets if we were going to games. Yeah. Um, he, uh, the, the report from Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports mentioned that he bought the Tennessee ticket for the Kentucky game two days after Tennessee beat Alabama um, and then transferred it within minutes of, of buying it and that the seat was used. Um, there's been mentions of like uh, ESPN reported there's like surveillance video of people in these seats holding up their phones. I mean, uh, there's going to be – it sounds like there's a lot of evidence. Uh, yeah. To this thing and and i've said this to, to you guys in our work thread but if, if this stuff turns out to be true i think michigan has to get hammered I, i'm i think they need to i mean you're 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 calling into you know it's one thing i guess to buy recruits which is i get you know it's legal now anyway but yeah um i mean you know, that, that that was always a whatever if, that was always a whatever thing for me because everyone did it well yeah and, and to be honest i mean if you you know, you might buy, you might spend a hundred grand on a quarterback, but he may not turn out to be any good. Yeah, I mean, this is directly I impacting the integrity of the game, um, and this is compromising, you know, fairness uh, of the game and injury risks. Um, yeah, and there's, you know, we had a joke among a few of us today about, well, why didn't they get TCU signals? And well, yeah, should have. They must not have because they lost to TCU. Um, yeah. So in, in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're running a, an operation like this and, and I think that and I thought this with the Jeremy Pruitt stuff too, the the I don't say stupidity, but like if you're if you're cheating and you're bad at it and you get caught. Yeah, like, this guy wrote should, a 600 page book. This guy wrote a 600 that, page book and not like one should, page on there said have someone else buy the damn tickets. 
that 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 guy, you know, that that should there should be like a a level up in the punishment. But uh, I don't know what the NCAA is going to do. I doubt anything happens to to Michigan this season. Uh, they'll they'll probably get to claim the everybody's out to get us uh, nonsense. Um, you know that it, it'll be an even worse version of Georgia. Uh, everybody thought we were going seven and five. All that it'll be. Oh, everybody's out to get us. No, not everybody's out to get you. You cheated. And we're bad at it. So, um, you know, I I think there should be, if all this is found to be proven true, I think there should be significant penalties for Michigan. Um, It probably won't hurt Jim Harbaugh. He'll probably get out before the getting is good, pull a Pete Carroll and bail to the NFL after this this season. Oh, yeah. I'd put put good money on that. But it's, you know, the two things for Tennessee is that you you find out that they were, you know, Tennessee was caught up in this or, or involved in this or, they were in the scouting network, if you will, because Tennessee at this point of last season was, you know, they beat Kentucky and they were eight no and they were ranked number one. So if you're Michigan, you're and you're and your objective to use a military term since this guy was apparently an ex Marine or ex Navy or whatever. Oh, uh, you're never you're never ex Marine, you're a former Marine. Okay. I, I, I've I've made I, I've made that mistake before and stepped in some serious Fair. junk because of it. Okay, fair enough. If you, if the guy was he a former marine or was yes, he navy? Former marine, former marine. Okay, all right, former marine. So the, oh, no, the yeah, yeah, he the, he went to the naval academy too. So yeah. the the goal is, um, you know, if you're if you're scouting, okay, looking further down the road, okay, we might play these teams. We might wait, let's get their signs during the season. Um, this guy bought tickets to two SEC championship games, right, right. as well. Yes. Um, you know, then yeah, good, good job Tennessee. You were in position to, to get the illegal. Uh, Stein stealing ring. Yeah, and, um, people... and then and then the and then the conspiracy theory, which uh, maybe it's more than like a conspiracy theory. I'm just going to refer to that because I just love conspiracy theories in sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that Michigan funneled its uh, signs out to uh, to South Carolina to help them take down Tennessee and Clemson too? I guess because I think Clemson was involved. Alabama was another team that that, that tickets were purchased for. Oregon was one I believe that, that's been reported. So um and there are some connections you touched on. I think I think South Carolina's defensive coordinator was on Harbaugh staff at Stanford, for I believe. Three, for I three, done for all three yeah, for three years he was his secondary coach. <laughs> and then you throw in that Shane Beamer had a little run in with a Virginia Tech, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's all fun and and honestly it's all very plausible. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting. I mean, you know, the 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 tough part about that is you know, you just hope that that something like that didn't occur on a play that happened to, you know, and and in Hooker's college career, that would be terrifically unfortunate. But you know, it, it, it speculation can get you in trouble there. But there are there's a compelling set of circumstances that do on the surface make it look suspicious. Um, now, at the end of the day, you got to go out there and win the game, but. Uh, there, there, and the you know the Jeremy Banks thing that whole happened that week too. There was a lot of things that happened that week, but uh, it is interesting. I mean, it, it you put some stuff together on this, and you go, hmm, you know, like South Carolina got awfully good late last season, just just randomly happened, and then you know you compel you combine that with all this stuff happening at Michigan. Harbaugh was on the hot seat. Remember, he had to restructure his contract. But then this scouting network pops up allegedly, and they're beating the pants right. off everyone. So you start putting this stuff together, and you go, hmm, 
like it's right there. It's like someone's telling you, hey, like uh, just because, you know, your wife comes home smelling like someone else's cologne, that doesn't necessarily mean she's been naughty. But it probably means she's been naughty. Like it's like you if look it at smells like a duck, right? Yeah, like it. You look at it and you go, I don't know if I can convict you on this just yet, but I can certainly investigate based on this. Like I'm going to start making calls. I'm going to start looking around. Uh, it, it's and, and hey, the, the, you do anything you can to win at this level. And and Tennessee has been guilty, not of the sign stealing stuff that I know of, but you know certainly of of in the Pruitt era, the stuff with players and their stuff in the past. It happens. I the mean, ho- but the hotel, the the visit ring, yeah, but the but this, visit ring, yep. But 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 this is something that is different, and and this is something that fundamentally changes the scope of every single game, and you know it, it's not it's like it's beyond the pale a little bit like this is one of those things that you look at and you go wow so we'll we'll see what happens there with all of that and i don't know if it'll impact anything for tennessee but congratulations you're good enough to be scouted by uh, michigan's staff so you've done something there you've become relevant if you want to talk about relevant well that's awfully damn relevant uh, Pat, this week, you know, we didn't have you on the, the Monday podcast. You were doing some other work, and so we got you today. Just your thoughts on sort of where Tennessee is after last week, what that does to things, the matchup with Kentucky, the vibe you've picked up on this week. Just just give us some thoughts on all of that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, it is, uh, regardless of whether it's Tennessee is – in the playoff hunt like they were last season or whether they're five and two or whether they're two and five, it's never good for Tennessee to lose to Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not something that Josh Heupel has had to worry about yet. Uh, and you know, this has been a tough series for Mark Stoops. He's done a lot of good things at Kentucky. He's got a couple two, got a couple 10 win seasons up there. Uh, but I think he's two and eight against Kentucky and, uh, much like this season, he's had an open date. He's had an extra week to get ready for the Vols, and it hasn't mattered. Um, so this is uh, a game that uh, is big for both sides. You know, Kentucky started 5-0, and and I think it became clear that the schedule had a lot to do with that. Obviously, they did beat Florida, which Tennessee did not do, but Correct. Um, that game was at home, and, and frankly, Tennessee, or Kentucky kind of has Florida's number right now. Um, with yeah. the way that that series has sort of flipped, and this beat, beat series that, with Tennessee has not flipped, beat the hell out of them. I mean, um, but you know, you you get beat, hammered by Georgia. You know, that's that's going to happen. A lot of, that happens to a lot of teams. It'll probably happen in Florida this weekend, where you're starting to feel good about yourselves. You think you have a chance, and then Georgia does what Georgia does, and yeah. you lose by four touchdowns. That's how it goes uh, with the Bulldogs these days. And you know, they get up fourteen nothing on Missouri, and then it's thirty eight seven the other way. So. Um, and, and, you know, I think Missouri, Missouri's impressed me. I was, I was not a believer earlier in the season, but watched them against LSU and watched them kind of off and on after the A&M game against, uh, you know, when they, when they beat Kentucky and, uh, they, they're playing well up there, but for Tennessee, uh, this is, it's different than the past two seasons. And, um, you know, because you felt pretty going to those two games and you wondered if Kentucky, a team that scoring has been difficult for for this program to do you know stoops has built it on on running the football and playing defense and uh, a lot of times that's come at the cost of of being able to throw the football effectively down the field um you know they had a pretty big game they put up 42 on tennessee two seasons ago but 
Uh, Tennessee has kind of come back down to Kentucky's level of offense to where you're you're wondering, you know, it, it's looking like it's going to be a closer game rather than can Kentucky keep up. That's kind of the, the outlook of this game because Tennessee's offense has just been uh, consistently inconsistent, right? Had issues on fourth down. They're free of 13 on the season. Their red zone numbers are terrible. They have the lowest at red zone touchdown percentage in the, in the league. I think they've uh, – I think it's 11 touchdowns on 26 red zone trips since the opener against Virginia, um, which is – Wes, is that good? It's not. It's uh, if you're if we're looking at that <laughs> binarily, whether it's either a good or b bad, I'm gonna go with b bad. <laughs> you are correct. You got to score touchdowns in the red zone, and um, Tennessee's not been doing that. You know, you have a game where uh, Joe Milton throws for 100 yards. You have a game where he throws for 175 yards in the first half, and then the off the entire offense you know goes in the tank and doesn't score. So it's it's just hard to trust Tennessee's offense right now. As odd as it is to say. You know, for a Josh Heupel coach team, and and shoot, there's still a chance that, you know, they blow up and and put 45 or 50 on somebody of of consequence. Sorry, UConn. Sorry, Vanderbilt. That doesn't include you. Correct. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm not really worried about the team's mentality. Uh, I think this is a, a resilient team. I think Heupel has a a good sort of uh, aura or, or vibe in his program to where. Uh, they're able to flip the page both from wins and from losses. I think he's only had a, two losses as a head coach after a loss. Um, and, and really the only time I think he's lost back-to-back games at Tennessee was his first season when they played Ole Miss uh, in a game that was, shall we say, controversial. Yes, we we, um, we, we shall say controversial. Um, and then they played Alabama at Alabama the next week. And there was controversy there too, as there tends to be when you go to Tuscaloosa. So, um, a little bit, a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm not... I'm not too worried about their mentality i'm just worried about like you know are, are they going to be able to finally put a good game together on the road at night against a team that that has had an extra week and um you know there was a super bowl comment earlier but tennessee is generally kentucky super bowl and a lot of times that works maybe against the wildcats but um you know certainly the way tennessee is is playing right now it, it's hard to trust their offense and it's hard to trust them on the road so um you know I, i'll be interested to see uh, if they're able to to win this game, I think they will, but I don't expect it to be easy. It's not been easy the few last few times since he's been up there, and um, this, this team doesn't make anything – hasn't made anything look easy, at least on offense. I think the defense is reliable. I think you know what you're going to get from that group. Obviously, there's the wrench now of, of not having Kamal Haddon, as we spent the entire first time we're talking about. But, um, yeah, they, they've got to go out there and, and put four quarters together if they're going to win a, a road game at night and, and – you know, we've got to see if they're going to do it. It is a fundamentally different question uh, about going into this game because this is something I was going to talk about on the pregame podcast too, but I'll just tease it a little bit now because I think Pat made a great point there. It, it's something that I was going to discuss later, which is Tennessee. Most years when Heupel's at Tennessee and Stoops is at Kentucky, the fear factor from Tennessee doesn't necessarily exist in this game because you just – consider the fact that if you score X number of points, that is more points than Kentucky can score in a game. If you get to a certain amount of points, it's just that offense at Kentucky is just not but, going to keep up with you at some point. Like they're not going to trade blow for blow with you if you have even a semi-competent defense. They're not going to do that. So I, I think now that's certainly not the case with Tennessee's offense, though, because you can throw a lot of those assumptions out of the book. As Heupel himself has learned by some of these super aggressive fourth down calls not you know not working out and the consequences being different and in this game it can be different too because 
Tennessee's one of the fastest-paced offenses in in football. Kentucky's one of the slowest-paced. Kentucky shrinks the game. It contracts the game because that is just sort of the nature of how Kentucky plays. It's not like Iowa because Kentucky does score some points, and Iowa doesn't score points, but it's sort of that same mentality. It's that defense toughness, grind you out, kind of you know stay in the game that way. But Tennessee is not scoring 45 points a game right now. It's not. So it, it fundamentally changes the question, and it, and it puts more emphasis on each drive because normally it's a numbers game, right? It's like Roy Williams was for a lot of his coaching career, especially at North Carolina, where they would go fast because they said, we have better players than you. So we're going to push the tempo. The more possessions per game means the team with better athletes and better players is probably going to win with more possessions. That's just it's just a numbers game, and and so that's sort of what Tennessee is, has been offensively for the past couple of years. Not the case right now. It changes things. Yeah, the Kentucky had a good stat in their game notes under Brad Wyatt, who's I think in his fifth season as as the defensive coordinator for Stoops. Uh, they they've held opponents to thirty points or less in forty eight out of fifty seven games. Uh, now, two of those two of those nine games that were over thirty were Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that that's you know that goes back to well, you know, Stoops in Tennessee and and this game you know being what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, and my thought there was well, Kentucky would be a lot more competitive if they could score close to thirty points, which. Uh, a lot of years has been a struggle for them. I, I don't know that it's struggle. I still think Kentucky's offense is probably better than it was last season. I mean, I think Ray Davis is legitimately really good. He, he's one of the best. I like backs those receivers too. When those receivers are healthy, and, and, I like those guys. And, and they've got they've got good receivers, like you said, Wes. I mean, I think a lot of people would 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 take a trio of uh, Tavian Robinson, who's a transfer from Virginia Tech, Barry and Brown, who's a, a guy from Nashville, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's an elite kickoff returner. Um, a guy that can can hit the home run and, and make you look bad when you have when he has the ball in his hands, and you got Dan Key, who's a who's a contested catch guy. He's six three, uh, can go up and get the football, uh, and then they you know they bring back Liam Cohen, who who made Will Levis look really competent in twenty twenty one. They averaged I think thirty three points a game with him and Wandell Robinson, and you know Chris Rodriguez was was the running back for that team as well. Really, kind of that was probably the most one of the most well rounded teams that that Stoops has had in terms of, yeah. of how the offense was. Um, and they bring in Devin Leary, who was pretty good at NC State when he was healthy. He's he's you go with several of the most important passing categories. He's below Joe Milt, you know, yeah. in completion percentage, passer rating, yards per attempt. I think uh, I think he's close between the two of them. But he's averaging under 200 passing yards game, which is kind of curious. Obviously, the, the issue last season was the offensive line. Uh, Kentucky's only allowed like 11 sacks, but they allowed seven to. To, in the last two games against Georgia and Missouri, and obviously Tennessee has a very good defensive line. Uh, I was looking at some numbers on on PFF today, or, or maybe it was last night, but um, Devin Leary is very bad at when he's under pressure. Like in the past three games when he's been under pressure, uh, he's like two of seventeen for thirty something yards and a touchdown. Now you could call that you could, you could call that more of a feature than a bug. Um, that that's that's just the last three games, but I think it's a season long trend. And, and most quarterbacks are are gonna their numbers against pressure aren't gonna be as as good because it's hard. You know, yeah. the air guys coming at you. You know, it affects your. You know, sometimes your fundamentals go out the window and and you make mistakes and um, you know, you might throw the ball into coverage. It it, it you know that's pretty standard, but uh, it kind of reminded me of of Keaton Slovis last season, right? Where if you're able to get him pressured, get him off his spot, keep him out of a rhythm, you can really 
kind of neuter that passing game. Um, and I think that's what Tennessee has to do in this game. And, and certainly I think they've got the, the personnel up front. And, you know, I talked about the uncertainty with what you, you know, what you're going to get from Tennessee's offense. I, if there's a staple for Tennessee, Tennessee this season, it's the defensive line, unless they get held the entire game. Yeah. That, um, that tends to be an issue. That's a slight or issue. Or they just, or they just lack whatever. Um, and, and you would expect them not to be lacking that whatever after last week, you expect them to come out pretty tarred this game. I got to think Tyler Barron is probably can't wait to get back on the field. And that's something that a couple of players said earlier this week is that when you have a game like that, you want to get back out there and play. Well, uh, Rodney Garner's probably had his foot in the ass all week too, if we're being honest. Yeah, there's, there's that too. So, you know, if they can get pressure on, on Leary and I think something that they have to do, obviously the, the top of the game plan for Tennessee on defense is stop Ray Davis. Um, Cause if you can make Kentucky a passing team, it greatly improves your chance of winning. Um, but you know, I would probably say Leary's a lot like Milton, where if you know if he went out there and had a great game Saturday night, you wouldn't be that surprised. This guy has, has done it before. Sure. Um, you know, at, at the Power Five level, he had a season in NC State where he had 35 touchdowns and five picks. So, um, and he was a big get for them in the portal. Uh, there's probably a lot of teams in the SEC looking down at you, maybe Auburn, um, yeah. that would have would have taken him. I mean it was maybe Florida it, too. it was universally seen as a better move than Florida getting Mertz. It was it was it was right. seen as and, a better move. And credit to Florida, credit to Mertz that that one's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. Um again, we'll see what they do against Georgia, but yeah. um but yeah, it, and you know this yeah, it, this Kentucky defense is is good. Um you, you know you're going to have to try to run the football on them. You know they're not going to give up too many big plays. Even, you know, Tennessee hit them on some home runs last season, but it was still just a couple of them, two or three. Uh, if Tennessee got through the home runs in this game, I think they take them given they they just really haven't hit those lately. But um, it, I think it's going to be a, a tight game. These games usually up there are. These teams seem to be even in some ways. Mm-hmm. They, they both seem to be flawed. Um, and, you know, could it turn out to be the, the probably most unlikely thing would it, would it be in like a shootout? You know, these two offenses just suddenly click against these two defenses. But I think these two defenses are – probably feeling pretty good about these matchups. And that's why, as we talked about with the pace defensive, you know, defensively for Tennessee, third downs are going to be so important because if you let Kentucky move the sticks 10 yards at a time, they're going to eat up a lot of clock and really shorten the game. Um, and for all Tennessee's offense, you've, you've got to keep the chains moving. You got to convert on third down, which they've been okay at. Um, and you got to finish drives, which is they've not been okay yet. So those are the, uh, the big question marks for me in this game. Yeah. I think the last thing I've got too, is that there, there, there's going to be a, there's definitely going to be some, some emotion in this game too. Uh, there always is in kind of a, a border state battle like this one for the, for the beer barrel, which again should be back. I hope they bring that back at some point. I'm going to keep pushing them. I'm going to keep shaming them. I'm going to be sitting there going shame, shame, shame until they bring that back. But on top of that, Kentucky, uh, I've been able to watch the catch several times this year. There's some guys on that Kentucky team, especially on that defense, that have some attitude about them. And it's not always positive. Like you see some 15-yard penalties, you see some 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 stuff that you're like, oh, okay, that's a little bit extra. So uh, there's going to be emotion in this game. There's going to be a lot of intensity in this game. Uh, Kentucky is going to be ready for a fight. If Tennessee shows up for that fight, I think Tennessee wins the fight. But if Kentucky doesn't go up there ready to fight, Tennessee will lose. That that to me, it's not. It is a little bit about Kentucky, but it's more about Tennessee for me in this game. And that's the opposite of what I've said in a lot of games with Tennessee in the past few years. Was that this isn't as much about Tennessee in some cases as it's about the opponent because the opponent is better. But y- you never know. So I, I think for for me, it comes down to um, a, a couple of things um, that, that Tennessee just got to show up ready to fight. 
Yeah, Wes, this is, you know, this is a rivalry game. This is a game that's been played, you know, Tennessee's played Kentucky more than it's played anybody else. It's a big game for the folks north of the border. It's a big game for the folks in orange south of the border. Um, you know, Tennessee doesn't like losing to Kentucky, and, and Kentucky always cherishes when it has a chance and, and does beat Tennessee. It's only happened three times since 1985, which is around the time you were born, I believe. Yeah, um, a little bit before so, that. I was born in 82, so yeah. So coming up on the age of 45, you are, if my math is correct. Uh, it is not, but that's all right. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's got to be ready for, you know, it, we kind of thought this, I kind of thought this, and I hate to bring up the South Carolina game from last season, but, you know, you go into that game and you're wondering, it, I mean, why does everyone think this game is going to be a cinch? It's an SEC road game at night. Those are tough. Um, and this one's going to be tough, too. That game's always been a night game for Tennessee, and the last three times they've gone up there, it's gone down to – you know, Kentucky driving in the final minutes, uh, a goal line stand in, in 2019. Uh, although I guess that doesn't really count anymore since it got vacated. Yeah. Um, and then the 2017 game went down to Kentucky scored, I think in the final minute and Tennessee had a heat to the end zone that was almost caught, or maybe it was, I can't remember. I blocked that season yeah, out. Jeff um, George, at like the two yard line, maybe I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we're, we're talking, uh, the 2015 game was a beat down, but since then Tennessee goes up there and it's usually a four quarter, 60 minute fight. And, and Tennessee is, Got to show that they can handle all of that on the road, and um, they they can't do the things that that have gotten them beat, and they've got to stem the tide, right? Like they they gave up a twenty to twenty nothing quarter at Florida, seventeen nothing quarter at, at Alabama. Um, they have to handle adversity better, and there's going to be adversity because Kentucky's at home. They've had an extra week to to prepare. They've got some good players on offense, defense. They're going to make things happen. They're going to make plays, and since he's got to respond, they've got to have the the mental edge to handle it and, and, and rebound and, and get momentum back. And uh, they've got to do that for an entire game, which we've yet to see them do. So this is a, I don't want to say gut check time, um, but this is a game that Tennessee really needs. Cause like I said, it's never good when you lose to Kentucky, no matter what your record is, Tennessee doesn't expect to lose to Kentucky and Josh Heupel hasn't. And, and it would behoove him not to uh, see what it's like when, when that happens. Yeah, they, they could use uh, Devin Leary throwing them the ball as happily as Will Levis did it for a lot of his career. That's what they could they could yeah. use, they could use some more of that. Uh, that would certainly tilt the tilt, tilt the scales this weekend. But we'll see. We'll, we'll have another podcast, at least one more, kind of before the game to discuss things, and then we'll be back after that game to discuss it. Uh, there, there's a lot going on this time of year, but uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's gut check a little bit. I think you're right, Pat. A little bit of gut check. It's uh, let's see this team sort of. Mental toughness and intestinal fortitude and all that, because when you're not suddenly, when you're probably not playing for a championship, that 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 tests your competitive character. What are you going to show up and do about it now? So we will see what Tennessee does about it, and uh, and, and I, I think we'll talk to you after we see what Tennessee does, Pat. But for now, thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Wes. Have a good one. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.